Welcome to another edition of Who's Better Baseball? The podcast where we answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball? I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein, managing editor at JustBaseball.com. As we get ready for opening day next week, we are writing all of our team previews for all 30 teams, and we're also breaking down divisions on the Just Baseball show. And I'm breaking down head-to-head matchups between teams within each division on this show. So last week we did some AL East stuff, uh, also some AL Central. The AL East and the AL Central division previews are live at JustBaseball.com with all the write-ups for each team in those divisions. On Tuesday, we have the AL West going up, and today on Monday, we published the Rangers and the Angels for their team previews. And those are two teams that I wanted to debate on today, really diving into their roster comparing them because I think they enter this season really in a similar place. Now, we know what their past has been. These are teams that have struggled to perform in recent memory in the regular season. We say every single year, how can a team without Mike Trout and then even more recently, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani fail to make the playoffs? And year after year after year, the Angels disappoint. The Rangers They are in this new wave. They have a new ballpark. They decided we are spending big to win in this ballpark. They go out, they sign Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon last year, and yet they have a horrible season. This year, they went out, they got Jacob deGrom, they got Andrew Heaney, they got Nathan Ovaldi. They really completely rebuilt that starting rotation, and they're hoping that can carry them to contention. Meanwhile, the Angels, again, have tried to retool the roster around Trout and Otani, and with Otani set to hit free agency in the next year, this is a do-or-die season for them to prove that they can be contenders and hold on to him for the long haul. So this is a very big season for both of these franchises. The Rangers, they have a little bit more of a wider berth of time with the farm system they've developed, pitching that's on the way, pitching they just brought in. You know, DeGrom signing a five-year deal gives them a longer window. They have Seager and Simeon locked up. They're not in as much of a time crunch, but they still want to win. The Angels need to do it now. So when we compare these teams, we have to understand that context of expectations where you know, the Angels could be middling in the first half of the season, and they could sell because they could say, you know what, we're not going to keep Otani. This isn't going anywhere. Let's trade him. Let's trade some other pieces. Let's try another rebuild around Mike Trout. The Rangers, they could be in the position to buy with some of their prospects at the deadline, or they also could be another team that says, you know what, we're going to wait this out a little bit longer, and they could potentially sell. So again, they're in that same boat where the first half, we know they're going to be competitive, and they're going to want to win, and overall, they're trying to put themselves in that playoff contention, but they're also a tier below the Mariners and the Astros, for the top team in this division, who really, I think, can win the AL West. I don't think the Rangers or the Angels are going to win this division. Both of them could be playoff teams. So let's get right into it. We've been breaking down lineups first, and I like to look at the first five, sometimes the first six hitters in each of these lineups to understand the strength of the roster. And then you look at the bench and the bottom tier to understand the depth that's involved. So we start with the Texas Rangers. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Nathaniel Lowe, Adelise Garcia, Josh Jung. That's their top five. Now, we look at that group. Top three of it are all players that made our top ten list at their respective position. For Simeon, of course, he was, I want to say at the top of my head, three. Um, or no, maybe, yeah, he was three. He was ahead of Andres Jimenez, I believe, in our top ten second baseman. Seager, 
uh, was in the top five of our shortstops, and Lowe was right at the end of that list for our top first baseman. And really, I think Lowe's the guy that's coming off the best year when it comes to the context of what you expect from him. You know, last season, he is 302 with a 358 on base percentage, a 492 slug. He was a 143 WRC plus guy that hit 27 home runs, a three win player. You were not expecting that from Lowe. Now, you look at the other two guys, and obviously, Seeger and Simeon struggled for the early parts of the season, but they still turned it on down the stretch. And I think if you look from the point of when Simeon homered first, this is a stat that I pulled. On another article, I believe it was the top 10 double play combinations. I think they hit like 51 home runs over the final four months of the season, something along those lines. Um, maybe his final five months. Maybe he hit his first homer. I think he hit his first homer at the end of May. Uh, but the bottom line is you got 26 homers from Simeon. You got you know 33 from Seager last year. And I think there's every chance that they're going to get more. I would not be surprised at all. If those two combine for 75 home runs this year as a middle infield combination, that's incredible value. I think offensively alone, call me crazy, but I think that Simeon and Seager could produce at a rate somewhat comparable to Trout and Otani. Now, Trout and Otani is better. Don't get me wrong. Those are better hitters. You know, Mike Trout, the best hitter of the bunch. But with Trout's kind of questions now at the health, are you going to see 120 games of Trout? Um, you could say the same thing about Seager, but I, I just look at Simeon being this consistent force offensively, knowing what Seager could provide if he's at his best, if he's back to you know the Dodger Seager that was putting up you know 149 and 146 WRC pluses in 2020 and 2021, and you know at his absolute you know best. Uh, that well, that was a shortened season, looking at his rookie campaign at 175. But again, it was. Most seasons, uh, a WRC plus where he was bare minimum 25% better than your league average hitter last year, it was 117. The average was down. The on-base was down. Even the slug was down. But that was year one figuring out a new team. Uh, and he stayed healthy, played 151. So I, I think Seager and Simeon could get you close. And then when you look at a top three, if you look at the top three of that Angels lineup, their third is Taylor Ward. Now, Anthony Rendon's a big wild card, so we'll get to the four in a second. But, you know, who's going to be a better offensive player this year, Taylor Ward or Lowe? I mean, Ward last year was 23 homers in 135 games. He hit 281, 360 on base, 473 slug. His WRC plus is 137, Lowe's is 143. So I would say that top three of these lineups is somewhat comparable. I would say that. Adelise Garcia might be a better option uh, as far as just availability than what you might find from Rendon this year. But if Rendon's healthy, he's going to be way, way, way better. So that's the 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 push and pull you have with these teams is in some respects, I look at the top five for the Rangers and I say, I believe that Simeon Seager is going to be probably if they're healthy, the best double play combination in baseball this year. And that's as a Mets guy that put McNeil and Lindor number one on our list and still thinks they can produce at that level. But the ceiling that Simeon and Seager can hit with their power potential is the best that you're going to find in the sport. I think Lowe's a good first baseman. Garcia's a guy that I trust to at least hit me 25 bombs and give me you know a high average. And then Josh Jung is a wild card that I feel like could become a, a real 
top end contributor this year, former top prospect. I guess still a top prospect, still has that rookie status. You know, he's a guy that I think you feel pretty confident in, but there is still that, you know, prospect question. There's still maybe a limited ceiling with Garcia, and there's still regression possibilities with Lowe. You look at the Angels five, you know what you're going to get in Trout and Otani. I think Ward is another guy like Lowe that is a regression candidate, but could be good again. Rendon is the biggest question mark, I think, on either of these teams that could swing in, in many directions. But if he's healthy and what he used to be, that takes them to a different level. And then you got Hunter Renfro. So then suddenly, as we start to look at the bottom of this lineup, I begin to tip the scales to the Angels because Hunter Renfro is a consistent offensive contributor that gives you some good defense and right. Brandon Drury coming off a career year. You know, what are you going to get from Jared Walsh at first base? Uh, I, I don't know how much you will find you know, production-wise from him, but you look at the seven-hitter for the Rangers at Roster Resource, it's Robbie Grossman, and six is Jonah Heim. Now, Jonah Heim, one of the better catchers uh, in baseball, great pitch framer who was about a league average hitter last year, which you know, when you're talking about the catcher position, that's above average to have a league average hitter at that spot. And he also went out and he hit 16 home runs. 127 games. So if you can get 15 homers again and you get great defense from Heim, that's solid. But, you know, Grossman to Brad Miller, potentially at DH to Bubba Thompson. I mean, this team does kind of fall off a bit. Mitch Garver can get some time uh, at DH as well. If you're looking at the bench, Ezekiel Duran, Josh H. Smith. And right now they're projecting a non-roster invite who had a lot of hype as a Yankees prospect, Clint Frazier breaking camp. We'll see ultimately what happens there. I still like, I think, the overall depth of what the Angels have. When you look at Renfro and Drury being stable vets in the middle of that lineup, Jared Walsh you know, could give you more than you're expecting. Logan O'Hoppy as a catching prospect that has all the potential to be better than Jonah Heim, honestly. David Fletcher is now... You know, maybe betting ninth for this team, where in years past he might have been closer to the middle or the top of this lineup. You know, got the backup catcher Max Stassi, uh, so that's a solid vet. Luis Renjifo, uh, to play all over. Gio Urshela right now is projected on the bench, but we know he could be a solid replacement for Rendon at third base. He can maybe get some time at shortstop. Yeah, that's pretty damn solid to come off your bench and. Brent Phillips is a great defender in the outfield. I really like their bench and their overall depth. So I do give the edge overall to the position player core of the Angels. I think that the Rangers in their best season could have a better lineup. You know, if Seager and Simeon are awesome and you get a lot from Lau Garcia and, and, uh, and Jung and you're just kind of cranking through this lineup, maybe. But I have more faith in the floor of what the Angels are going to produce. Now you go to the pitching side of things and, this is where it gets interesting because uh, a couple of rotations that I think have high ceilings and have floors that can drop out from under them. You look at the Rangers right now, roster resource. They got Martin Perez slated as the two. Personally, I think if everything breaks right this year, he becomes your five. And I think that's where this rotation is interesting because if Jacob deGrom is healthy, I watched it firsthand. The guy's the best pitcher on the planet you sign him, you hope he's going to be okay. And then beyond that, John Gray is always the guy that we expect to you know, have the potential to give more. Nathan Avaldi is you know, a year removed from a 2021 season where the guy 
was you know pitching like an ace in Boston with a 5.7 F4, a 3.75 ERA, pitching in a really tough ballpark and 32 starts, 182 and a third innings pitch. He still struck out 9.63 batters per nine last year. A lot of injuries, but still made it out for 109 and a third innings pitch and pitched to a sub four ERA as a Red Sox, which is not always easy to do. Uh, I think Avaldi can be your number two. I think John Gray in the right season can be that type of a pitcher. And Andrew Heaney last year struck out, struck out excuse me, 35% of the batters he faced. So, you know, Heaney could be a dynamic weapon for them. And then Perez suddenly as a guy coming off a career year uh, who signed that qualifying offer, if he's just, you know, playing to the back of his baseball card and is an average starting pitcher, you're fine with that. You don't necessarily need him to be the sub-3 ERA again. And then you have so much depth with Dan Dunning and other guys that you know were part of that rotation last year that now are pushed to the side a little bit. Jake Odorizzi was brought in. Glenn Otto from last year as well. So they have a lot of depth in that rotation. I think that's what I like about them. It's the depth and the combination of the upside that a DeGrom can bring you, that Heaney can bring you, that Evaldi can bring you, and in the right context, John Gray can bring you. On the Angel side, you have Shohei Otani, who sneaky Cy Young pick this year. I mean, you look at what he did down the stretch. He started to be like the best pitcher in baseball in the final couple months of the season. So watch out for Shohei to have a monster season in a contract year. Patrick Sandoval, we saw him do some good stuff in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, at least that's what I believe. I think he struck out his team at Otani, so I know that. I have not been keyed into the tournament enough to speak uh, of great knowledge uh, on what has happened there, but Sandoval was a contributor and a guy that I think really could establish himself as a, a pretty solid number two. Last year, it was two, uh, 2.91 ERA and 148 and two-third innings pitch. Um, goes up and does that again. You're looking at him as a really solid lefty to pair with Otani atop that rotation. And then beyond that, you got Tyler Anderson now comes in. That's another lefty. This is a rotation full of lefties, by the way. It's currently slated as four lefties in Otani. Uh, but Anderson last year was dependable. I don't know if he's going to be the guy he was with the Dodgers that pitched to uh, the sub-3 ERA. It was, what, 2.57 over 178 and two-thirds. But I think he's going to be good. Uh, Reed Detmers can be solid. You got Jose Suarez rounding out that rotation. I think the overall depth is better with the Rangers. Uh, I think that there's a chance the Angels could reach a higher ceiling. But ultimately, uh, you know, I think that the, the DeGrom element to um, the equation with Evaldi and Heen, like it's they have a combination of depth and they have a, com uh, a group that could reach a high ceiling. Whereas the Angels... I think there's a high ceiling to be reached. I don't know what you know the overall depth is in comparison. I think that the Rangers are a little bit better suited in that rotation, and you know the bullpen. It's it's tough to really kind of look at either of these pens and say, oh, that is a massive kind of plus. I think both of them have some arms that you know could pop off and have good seasons. The Angels. You know, you still have guys that had down years last year that you signed as free agents, and a lot of times relievers can be one year to the next. So Ryan Tapera and Aaron Loop, you know, what can they be? Jose Cajada was a guy that had some big moments in the WBC. Um, so is he going to be a, a big contributor to them this year? Carlos Estevez. You got Jimmy Herget as a guy that had 2.48 ERA last year in 69 innings. So 
you know, they got some arms. They got some arms over there with the Angels, the Rangers. We'll see what they put together in that bullpen. I mean, you have Jose LeClerc. That's not a bad closer. Um, Jonathan Hernandez, Brock Burke, Joe Barlow, Will Smith. Always a name that's interesting. Uh, I think that when I look at the overall depth of these two teams, I would have to lean towards the Angels because I think that their lineup overall um, has more consistent names that I think you can point to where I think the Rangers are still working on building that lineup. And there's still a window this year where they're hoping guys like Young and, and others can can come through and, and contribute and, and you know make that team more well-rounded than it is currently where it's, again, just a, a lot that has been cobbled together real quick through free agency. So... You know, I think their rotation can be a strength, but it could also be year one of a new rotation that could falter a bit coming out of, of the gates like their big double play combination acquisition of last year. Uh, and even if those two guys up the middle are great, they're still trying to build a lineup around them. So the Angels have Trout and Otani. I think in this conversation that does give them the edge, especially because I have a lot more faith in Otani uh, to lead the Angels rotation than I necessarily do in DeGrom. So that's even another thing where even if I could say, hey, the ceiling of what the Rangers can put up as a rotation is better and they have overall depth that allows them to get through a season, if DeGrom's not there, that rotation looks a whole lot different. And that's a wild card element of it as well. So... I think both of these teams are in the same boat, though, where while I say today on, you know, March 20th that I like the, you know, Angels a little bit more on, you know, May 1st, when the season is you know six weeks old, we could be saying a completely different story. And then whatever team got off to a hot start could, you know, let's just say DeGrom goes down then. All of a sudden, the Rangers, who were kind of the talk of the league for a couple of weeks, they could tank and be 500, and all of a sudden, the Angels can surge, and they're 500, but they started slow, and then you're looking at two teams at the All-Star break that are kind of in no man's land that are about the same. I think this is a season that um, both of these teams have a lot to prove, and so until we actually watch baseball played, I think it's tough to expect much more than hanging around 500 and then a decision at the deadline potentially making or breaking what they do. You know, If the Angels are sitting at 500 at the deadline, what do they do with Otani? Um, you know, the Rangers, if they're a couple games over, do they cash in their prospects and look to accelerate the rebuild? Or do they sit pat and say, okay, we're fine just trying to, to have a winning record this year, and we're going to go for a little more next year when more of these prospects graduate. Or if there's prospects knocking on the door, do they have to move some veteran starters to allow the Jack Lighters and Kumar Rockers of the world to, to enter that rotation? So uh, this was a tough one. I do give the edge to the Angels, but there's every chance the Rangers end up better um, this season. So we'll, we'll see exactly how it plays out. We're going to break down Astros Mariners. I think that's going to be a fun one. I'm going to try to do Orioles-Red Sox this week, and we might even give you a fourth show 
as I try to preview as many of these teams as we can ahead of opening day. Uh, Guardians White Sox with Elijah Evans is another podcast we're looking to crank out over the next week here. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing if you're watching on YouTube. Follow all the great work we have coming at JustBaseball.com. Team previews for all 30 teams. By the end of this week, they're going to be there so you can get ready for the 2023 season.